What is conscious parenting and conscious marriage? In my opinion, it is a lifestyle. It is a level of awareness in which you live your life and you go out into the world and you can observe your relationships in your life, all of your relationships, every single relationship in your, in your life with a level of awareness that how you act, how you respond, what you are triggered by, what you are offended by is because of things in you, wounds in yourself, because of your past lived experience, because of your conditioning of your childhood. It's being aware of the ego stories that are happening in your head every moment of the day and having the awareness of like, oh, that's an ego story. I am assuming this thing about this person. I'm assuming this story about my partner right now and I haven't even asked their truth about it. I haven't even asked asked how they really feel. I'm assuming they hurt me in this way because of this or that. Ego stories. You're aware of your own ego stories based on your own perceptions, based on your own past and your own childhood. Conscious parenting and having a conscious marriage means that you are conscious in your relationships. So you are aware of everything happening in your relationships. You're aware of your ego stories. You're aware of your triggers. You observe your triggers. You observe how you're talking to this person and then you lean in with curiosity. Oh, why did I react that way? Conscious relationships has everything to do about curiosity, leaning into curiosity instead of blame. So that's curiosity towards yourself. Why, why did I react like that? Why did I get triggered by that? Where is that coming from? Whoa, I acted really unloving in that moment. Where is this stemming from? It's a curiosity towards yourself and it's a curiosity towards your children. Wow, my child's having a really hard time right now. I wonder where this is stemming from. Why are they having such a difficult time getting dropped off at school today and they didn't yesterday? Where is this stemming from? Where is this coming from? It's curiosity even with your partners. Wow, they're, they're really stressed right now and projecting that stress onto me. I wonder where this stress is coming from. Why are they stressed right now? What's going on with them? Asking them, being curious about what is truly going on with them instead of knee-jerk blaming. Having a conscious relationship with your children, with your spouse, it, it eventually, it's a learning, it's a process. It's a very slow process. <laughs> it does not happen overnight. I have been leaning into this way of living for years. It has been a years, a years progression. It is not fast. You need patience with yourself. But as you learn to be more aware and more aware of your, of your ego, of your ego stories, of your triggers, of your wounds, as you become more aware, your knee-jerk does become curiosity. It does happen because it's, it's like you're always asking questions. You're always asking questions towards yourself, towards your partner, towards your children. It's kind of like a therapist role. And so eventually, your knee-jerk reaction does become curiosity. And with curiosity comes empathy versus blame, 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 project 
all your crap onto your child or your spouse. That's the old way. That's the toxic way. That's where everyone suffers. You suffer because you react in such a crappy, horrible way. And then you have so much shame and guilt from the way you acted and reacted. And then your partner and your child feel shame and feel bad. Everyone suffers from this average toxic way of relationships where you blame the other person for everything. In conscious relationships, you take responsibility for your role. In conscious relationships, you are aware that your past childhood has molded you and now you are reacting from your past conditioning. So you're, you bring your childhood into your current relationship. We, that's, that's what happens. That's what we all are. When you go to therapy, you spend a lot of time diving into your childhood and recognizing that the partner you chose to marry has a lot of similar traits to a parent that you probably had a lot of conflict with in your childhood. Or you simply marry someone that has familiar traits from one of your parent figures. That's what our romantic relationships are. We replay our childhood in our romantic relationships. It's freaky, but it's true. This is kind of what therapy teaches you. So in a conscious marriage, in a conscious relationship, you are aware of how you are replaying your childhood in your romantic relationship. A really easy example would be, say you had an authoritarian parent where they controlled everything you did. You couldn't fully be who you truly are. You had to hide parts of yourself. Um, They always told you what to think, what to do. They were authoritarian. And so you could never be your true authentic self. Then typically what happens is that you choose a romantic partner later in your life that has those similar traits. So... Yet again, your partner is more controlling and you just kind of go with their flow and you don't show your true authentic self. They probably nitpick you and they probably try to change you, try to mold you into what they want. So they're an authoritarian partner. Another possible example is that you kind of had a complicated relationship with your dad. He wasn't emotionally available. He didn't put you as a number one priority. And so he kind of emotionally abandoned you often. And then later in life, you choose a romantic partner that is not emotionally available. It's a man that kind of just goes and does what he pleases and doesn't really give you that commitment, that emotional availability that you are seeking so bad because you didn't have that in childhood. And this all just goes back to that we seek what is familiar, even if it's chaotic even if it's unhealthy, even if it's toxic, our nervous system seeks what is familiar. So what, is, what we learned in childhood is normal. We choose that again as an adult, not because we want to. It's just because it feels comfortable and safe to our nervous system. So you really start waking up and being conscious when you recognize these patterns that you chose this type of person because of your childhood. The start of this healing personal journey 
is when you start realizing your patterns, your traits, your habits, and taking responsibility, and then facing them, and finding the root, and then changing the behavior today and tomorrow. So how does your childhood affect who you are as a parent? A great example is, say you had an authoritarian parent. They were very controlling. They were a helicopter. They were nitpicky. They controlled everything you did. Chances are you will become that because that was your example of parenting. Of course, you could swing to the other end of the spectrum because you were controlled so much. You swing to completely permissive and you allow your child to completely run you over and you have no boundaries, no limits, nothing as a parent. Of course, that happens all the time. We want to do the opposite of what our parents do. But also, what's more common is that we, our parent was an example of how to parent. So then we become our parent. We become our mom. We become our dad. Even though we don't want to. Even though we say, I am not going to be my mom. I am not going to be my dad. Unless you are conscious and unless you are aware, you will become them. Because that's what you are modeled. That's what you were shown. A parent is controlling. A parent has the power and the control over a little innocent child. So then when it's your turn to be a parent, you become the controlling authoritarian parent because that's what you were modeled. That you were sh- that's what you were shown. Otherwise, your partner is that way. Because we marry people that remind us of our parent figures. So a lot of times in a partnership, one parent is very permissive and says yes to any demand the child has. And the other person, the other parent, is authoritarian and says, no, 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 no. And they run the child's show. So if those parents were conscious parents, they would look inwards And be curious about why am I so authoritarian? Why do I need to be in control of my children all the time? And in the Awakened Family book by Dr. Shefali, her reasoning is that obviously an authoritarian parent has a huge fear of not being in control because the ego always wants to be in control. That's how the ego feels safe. The ego feels safe when it's in control. So giving up control is the hardest thing. It is scary. And so they have this fear of not being in control. And then the parent that may struggle saying no to their children, you know, they just say, yeah, 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 do whatever. They just, they have no limits, no boundaries for their children. They say yes to their children all the time. It's most likely because they're operating from this huge fear of conflict. They do not like conflict. They want to avoid conflict. They want to avoid disappointing people. So they say yes all the time to everyone, to the children, to the partner. Yes, 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 yes. Because they do not want conflict. They will run at any sign of conflict. They will betray themselves over and over again just to not have conflict. So when you deep dive inwardly, whether in parenthood or in a marriage, you will realize that almost everything goes back to fear. That, you know, if you you say yes to your children all the time, you have no rules, no boundaries, nothing, it's because of your fear of conflict. 
If you are a helicopter parent and you need to micromanage every aspect of your child and fit them into this mold that you imagine, it's your fear of not having control. It's your fears. That's what's running almost every single parent's actions and reactions. So if one of your values is not to live a life in fear, I would challenge you to be aware and observe every aspect of how you act on a daily basis with your, with your children or with your spouse. Because in parenthood, I've concluded almost everything goes back to fear. Here's some examples. So say your child does a very undesirable behavior, like hit another child or just any bad behavior. You want to stop that behavior as soon as possible for the fear that it will continue. Of course, there's other things involved, like you don't want to be perceived as an incompetent parent, that your child just goes around and hit everyone. But then that's fear of what people think. Okay, that's actually a good example because there can be many fears in one example. So your, your child won't share their toy or their, your child hits another child. You're afraid of what other people are thinking of you as a parent or thinking of as your child. What are they thinking of my child? Or you're unconsciously thinking, if I don't nip this in the butt now, they will keep doing this and they will turn into a teenager, an adult that does these behaviors. It's the fear that the child will never outgrow this bad behavior. Or the fear that my child will grow up and be regarded as a bad person and not a good person. Or afraid that your child will be the trouble child at school. Other fears that happen on a daily basis in parenthood could be that you're afraid your child will be bullied at school, that your child is going to fail in school, so then they're not going to be successful in life. Like if they have uh, one bad grade in a report card, your fear of them not succeeding at school could then be projected towards them. So, you know, we've all probably had a bad grade in school. Did that mean we, not, we were not successful in life? Not for me. I failed a class in college, but I became a very successful photographer. So if my mom freaked out about that one grade and projected her fears onto me, that would not have been fair because that's her fear speaking, her fear being projected onto me. Other fears are simply that, what will people think of me because of my child, you know, they did this or that? What will people think of my child because they did this or that? You're afraid your child won't succeed in life. You're afraid your child won't choose the same religion you choose or follow. So as you can see, there are so, so, so many fears that are involved in parenthood. And most of these fears were instilled in us in our childhood. Between the ages of zero and seven, our subconscious mind is in a constant state of hypnosis. So everything we learn and believe and see as a child literally gets programmed into our brain And this is the part of brain that we act from as an adult. So most of the way we act and speak and react as an adult is coming from this subconscious part of our brain in which was programmed from our childhood. And we are operating from that brain right now. 
So this is how our childhood has everything to do with how we're acting today unless we're aware and conscious of our behavior. So I'll quickly go into how fears can be ruling your life in your marriage, in your relationship, just like in parenthood on a daily basis. So I have a fear of abandonment because my dad died when I was 12. So because of this fear of abandonment, when my husband you know, doesn't answer, okay, no, when he says he'll be home in an hour and then he doesn't come home for two hours, I do get this little rush of, oh my gosh, what happened? That's like a, a trigger for me. And that goes back to, because one day my dad literally just died, didn't come home again. Or it could be so simple as my husband is being really unresponsive to me in whatever way, for whatever reason, when he's very unresponsive, I start getting pretty stressed that he's getting checked out of the relationship. This doesn't happen that often anymore because I'm aware of it. But years ago when I was not aware of it, this is what would happen is that his non-responsiveness started giving me like PTSD-like feelings that he would leave me, which is abandonment because he's checking out of the, the relationship. And I, and I could create and concoct all these stories as to why that might happen. Or because he did this, oh my gosh, it means he's gonna leave me now. That's what used to happen years ago because I had this wound of abandonment that I was not aware of. Now, because I've done so much healing and facing that, that that's not really even present today. So. I'm here to tell you, you can heal all of it. Or not all of it. I think it's still a work in progress. Not that I have other things that are constantly a work in progress, like accepting him for exactly who he is, not tweaking who he is, his behavior, what he does. Why is it so hard for me to accept accept him completely for who he is as he is? And in my childhood, it probably goes back to... I was always told I was selfish because I always could speak my needs and my wants so verbally. I was told I was selfish. And so I think that it's because I didn't feel completely accepted for who I was because this very natural innate part of myself that just so easily easily and effortlessly speaks my wants and needs was criticized. I then project that onto my husband so I'm doing what I was modeled my selfishness which I do not believe is selfishness it's just I have always used my voice to speak what I need and want which is what everyone should be doing but I was called selfish for doing that and so I wasn't accepted fully that part of myself wasn't accepted and so I was modeled that unacceptance so now I model that project that to my husband. I act in that way because I was modeled that way. So with that aspect, that's what I struggle with currently. I'm very aware of any time I want to nitpick him or tweak him or change him, change him in some way. So right now I'm very aware of when it happens in my head, of when my ego says these things in my head. So I'm just observing these thoughts and criticisms of my husband in my head. 
And the way I deal with it is literally parenting myself, basically talking to myself saying, Leah, zip your lips, zip your lips. It's not worth it. Why speak those words if it's not words that will bring you connection? If it's words that will not bring more love? Because it won't. It will only foster disconnection. So all I have to do now is just be aware of when that ego story or those, or those thoughts are happening in my head and be conscious and aware enough to just zip my lips. And that's how you stop a habit. And it's, that's how you stop a pattern. Or that's how I do anyways. You, you can do whatever feels best for you, but that's how I handle it for myself. So let's actually talk about how parents often want to tweak and change their child to make themselves feel better. Say your child is very messy and you're very clean. You want to change and tweak your child to make yourself feel better, feel peaceful, more happy. And that's what we do to our spouses, to our partners also. They're displaying some behavior we don't like for some reason a behavior that triggers us for some reason. And we want to change them so that we feel better. It is not their responsibility to change themselves to make us feel better, to betray themselves to make us feel better. That's not fair. That's not right. That's not love. But this happens constantly. Say your child lacks motivation. It bothers us. We want them to have have motivation so we can feel better. Or if our partner lacks motivation, we want them to have more motivation so we feel better. We, We are so narcissistic. We put all of this on someone else so that we feel better. It's not fair. Or we struggle really, really badly when a child won't listen to us. They won't listen. They won't listen. It's because it's rubbing up on our wound of not being heard. If a child literally doesn't listen to you, you are not being heard. And that is a huge core wound for everyone. But that also happens in marriage. When you start nagging your husband or your wife to do something, you nag, you nag, you nag. You are not feeling heard. And that rubs you and triggers you so deeply. And that's pretty universal. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that's universal. And we almost all feel that. And it's just our job to be aware of it. Know when it's happening. And then talk to ourselves, parent ourselves. I talk to my inner child and saying, I know you're not being heard right now, but I will always listen to you. If you need anything from me, I will always listen to you because we can really only control and depend on ourselves. It's not your child to, to fulfill all of these things in you and neither is your partner. This is what conscious relationships are. Is that you know this one person can't fulfill all of these things for you. It was never their responsibility and a, a child definitely never signed up for it. A child did not say, hey, I want to be born to make you happy. A child doesn't ask for that. A child, it's you. You're the one that was like, I want this child to make me happy. That was your choice. And then when they don't fulfill that in you, you're angry. You're resentful. You're not happy. 
but it's your, you, it, it's your responsibility. You created the expectation for your child. I want this child to bring me more happiness or to make me happy. They probably do bring you more happiness, but you're the one that placed the expectation that they will complete you and make you happy. They didn't ask for that. So another thing we do in relationships is that we give our child or our spouse the power to determine our mood. We literally give them all of our power because when they're angry or crabby, then we get angry or crabby. My brother has this saying with his partner, they call it passing the crabby. When one person's crabby and then it makes the other person crabby and then the other person gets happier, but the other person's crabby and then it passes the crabby. And I think that's so funny. And it happens when you are not aware. You're not aware that you're giving your power to someone else to dictate how you feel and what your moods are. So when your child is very upset or angry, then you become upset. Or your partner is crabby, then you become crabby. You give them the power to determine your mood. Therefore, that means they need to be happy for you to be happy. That's external happiness. That's like this sports car will bring me happiness. So my child needs to be happy for me to be happy. That is external happiness. And it will never, ever, ever, ever lead to long-term happiness because happiness does not come externally. And we all know that, but we don't practice it. But this is why we put our happiness onto our child or our spouse. Because we do not want to take responsibility for our unhappiness. So we blame them. We don't blame ourselves, we blame them. Because the ego is never wrong. The ego never wants to be wrong. It's never our ego's fault. It's that person's fault. This is the ego game. The ego places the expectation of you are here to bring me happiness. And then they never fulfill that role. So then you constantly suffer. This is the game of the ego. You will never gain happiness that way. But the ego tells you you will. And this is a perpetual state of suffering when you outsource your happiness to other people and other things. Because your ego is never wrong. You blame other people for making you unhappy when it is 100% your responsibility. So a conscious parent or conscious partner recognizes and is aware of when we place our happiness on people and that they didn't ask for that and it's not their responsibility. So then it's our full-time job to make ourselves happy. We have to fill up our own love tank. And of course, in a marriage, there is bits where you, know, you, need, you need to be seen and heard. You know, There's these foundational aspects of a relationship, of course, but you should not be solely looking to your partner to fulfill your happiness because it will never happen. And that is the trick of the ego. So a conscious parent or partner makes their happiness their full-time job. Because when you are so fully happy, when you are overflowing with happiness, you project happiness onto your child and you project happiness onto your partner. But if you are feeling so incredibly stressed 
or resentful, you project that resentment to your child and your partner. Your internal state is what project, projects onto the relationships in your life. So it all stems from how you feel inside. It is not selfish to make happiness your full-time job because when you make it your full-time job, everyone in your life will benefit because when you are overflowing with happiness, you will project happiness. So our children and our spouses are our teachers because every single day they shine a flashlight on what's going on inside of us. This, they are our mirrors. If we are feeling impatient, everything our child or our spouse does that day will rub on that impatience. If we are feeling so stressed, everything our child and partner does in that day will rub on that stress. They give us an opportunity to face ourselves every single day. This is how I believe our children and our spouses are our greatest spiritual practice. I have this saying that I don't have road rage. I have the opposite of road rage. I have so much grace for people on the road when they do the most like annoying thing. I'm like, I don't know what's going on in their day. You know, I don't know what's going on. But I do not bring that 100% grace to my husband. I don't. And so I'm trying to walk the walk where why is it so easy for me to have so much grace for a stranger on the street and not my own husband? This is my spiritual practice. So then I get to practice it every day because he's a human and he makes mistakes. Say he does this, you know, he doesn't get a grocery item from the grocery list. He makes a mistake. Do I have grace for that? Every single day I get to practice what I want to work on, what I want to get better in. And this is the job of our children and our partners. So in traditional parenting or traditional marriages, everything is someone else's fault. Oh, you made a mistake. That's your fault, blah, blah, blah. But in conscious relationships, it's what is in me. What is in me that I need to fix, heal, look at, face? Having these deeply conscious relationships is not common because we as humans prefer to stay in our comfort zone of a toxic habit or an unhealthy habit or an unhealthy relationship rather than create a new habit. We don't want to take the time and energy to create a new, better feeling habit. We prefer to just stay in our comfort zone and suffer instead of trying to create a new habit and heal from the toxic pattern. It's also not popular because it involves taking radical responsibility for how you act, for how you treat people, for the condition of your relationships. And because we have an ego and the ego always needs to be right and it can never be wrong, it blames people for everything. It blames our partner, it blames our child. Our ego never wants to take responsibility. This is why conscious parenting, conscious marriage is not popular in this society. Obviously, I have to say this PSA, there is no chance that a conscious marriage 
could be abusive because that that's a complete contradiction to what a conscious marriage is a conscious marriage is they are fully aware of each other's trauma and each other's wounds there's this quote that says understanding your partner's trauma is a love language so my psa is that no if you are in an abusive relationship where you are physically abused or emotionally abused you do not take these concepts and say you know this is my fault this is my responsibility this is not a green pass for abuse this is not it this is this podcast is is solely for non-abusive relationships although i could really go deeper into how in our society how parents treat children the shame that is drilled into children after they make a mistake or if they you know have a really messy dinner i i am actually a huge advocate that a lot of this normal parenting behavior on how you treat children is actually emotional abuse one time i was on an airplane and there was this woman this mom in front of me with her baby was maybe a year and a half and the baby would stand up in her lap and then she would yank the baby down in a very 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 forceful disgusting way and then she was saying abusive things to this baby on an airplane in front of everyone and in my opinion the abuse is the the tone the sharpness and the absolutely non-loving words that is emotional abuse in my opinion and no one no one around me was saying anything no one was sticking up for the child so me being the anagram 8 that i am an advocate for the voiceless i when we were getting off the plane i i was shaking because i don't like conflict or talking to strangers obviously i don't like it but for this child i said to the mom i said excuse me do you know that what you were doing is abuse to your child and she obviously she went into straight denial and she flustered and i think she said something like i'm in the army or something like that i don't remember but my feeling is that she was either saying she's in the army and that's how they speak to me so i can speak to my child that way or maybe she has mental issues because she's in the army i don't know but i couldn't believe that she was in my opinion abusing this child in front of all of these adults on the airplane and no one said a thing i was shocked i was shocked children are voice are are voiceless basically and they need our help they need our voice to stick up for them so that's what i did and some people can argue it wasn't my place to comment about her parenting but there is a line of parenting and abusive parenting the definition of emotional abuse is when a perpetrator humiliates and instills fear into someone else in order to control them to me this might be my unpopular opinion but that is classic parenting in this society instilling fear and humiliating and criticizing a child in order to control them that sounds like parenting to me not healthy parenting 
But yeah, think on that. Anyways, if you love this topic, I highly recommend the Dr. Shefali books, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. Or on Instagram, my go-to accounts are The Holistic Psychologist. Everything she talks about is amazing, is on point. It gets to the root of every problem. So get her alerts and, and read everything she posts and go years back in her content. Her stuff is amazing. And then the holistic parent, they take all the holistic psychologist topics and concepts and translates it to conscious parenting. So it's really, really awesome. So the holistic psychologist and the holistic parent on Instagram.